Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead. And we're going to get started today by thanking 10-year-old Hannah from Baltimore. So we had asked for reviews, and Hannah wrote us a letter and said some really encouraging things to us and gave us 45 stars. 45 stars. It was a huge encouragement. Thank you. Yeah, amazing. And we're going to tell a little inspirational story about Hannah. She has a special testimony in our life and the life of her parents and many others Hannah's mother and father, Scott and Regina, are good friends of ours, and they had had a miscarriage, a really just painful miscarriage, lost their baby, and then three months later, they got pregnant again, and it looked like they were losing the baby again. All the signs were pointing towards another miscarriage. The doctor even said, you know, it looked like a miscarriage, and there was really no point in coming back to the doctor because the doctor was pretty sure she was going to lose the baby. And I will never forget when they were going through this, Pete and I were dating at the time or engaged at the time, and we were at mass and I I knelt down to pray and this thought popped into my head very clearly, go and pray for Hannah. And I didn't know Hannah at the time and I just kind of, you know, thought it was weird and didn't really pay much attention to it. But as I was praying, I really felt like we were supposed to go to our friend's house who were suffering this miscarriage and, and pray with them. And I was kind of really nervous to do that because we weren't that close at the time and I didn't want to intrude and just show up at their house when they're going through this difficult and private time and and pray for them. But I felt like we were supposed to do it. And then Pete turns to me in mass and says, I think we need to go to Scott and Regina's house and pray for them. So I was just like, oh my gosh, okay, all right. (laughs) I was nervous, but you know, I wanted to be faithful to what I felt God was asking us. So we went to their house and we had this great, really special time of prayer together. And I don't remember this, but Scott told me that we prayed the prayer of Hannah from the Old Testament over them and and just prayed with them. And then the baby, she had a difficult first trimester, but the baby lived. And I remember being at her baby shower and someone asked, what are you going to name her? And she said, we're between Hannah and uh, Abigail, I think. And then I said, oh my gosh, when I was at Mass, I remember this this thought. It was probably the Holy Spirit speaking in my heart, saying, go and pray for Hannah. And they ended up naming her Hannah, and she's a beautiful girl. And when the doctor hand, handed Hannah to her mother, Regina, the doctor said, here's your miracle baby. So that time of prayer was so grace-filled and so special um, that now Hannah is named Hannah. So this came full circle. Kristen and I got married, and we wanted to have kids right away. And... For three years, we tried to have kids, and it didn't happen, and we didn't know why, and we went to the doctor, and we just never knew why that we couldn't have kids, and we finally did get pregnant, and then Kristen lost the baby. And if you haven't been through that before, it's just this very painful, vulnerable type experience, especially when you've been trying for years, and then you find out you're pregnant, and it's like, well, can't wait to have a kid, and then, you know, weeks and weeks go by, and then you lose the baby, and it's it's tragic. It's, it's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. So anyway, nine months after uh, Kristen lost the baby, we got pregnant again, and we're yes. so excited, and it's like, wow, we're, you know, we've been trying for this for three years, and now we're going to have a baby. Yeah, so we, you know, we're ready for this baby, and I went to the doctor and our doctor sees, she sees the patients a little bit later to the point where 
she wants to see the baby on the ultrasound. They have an ultrasound in their office. So I came in at the time when we should see the baby in the heartbeat and Pete couldn't be with me. I was by myself and I go there and she's like, let's, all right, let's see this baby. And I go to the ultrasound and she said, I can see that you're pregnant, but I'm just not seeing a baby. And I remember just saying like, well, what, what should you see at this point? And she said, at this point we should see a baby in a, a heartbeat. And I was just devastated. I, I knew it was happening again. I, cause I knew at that point we should see the baby. We should see the heartbeat. Yeah. You just get this feeling like being kicked in the gut. It's like, you know, okay. Like, oh, are we're, you kidding me? Yeah. We're losing, we're, we're losing the baby. And so I went home and it was raining and I just remember I was just crying and crying and you know, I get home and then that night I started to have signs of a miscarriage. And so we called our friends and we had our friends just, we have the most wonderful just community of prayer and they were praying for us. And then our friends, Scott and Regina came over to us. And again, we had this really great time of prayer and they just prayed over us for healing for, for, for this baby. And about a a week, maybe later, I went to the doctor and there was my baby measuring right what he was supposed to be measuring. And he's our, our little miracle baby too, I think. Yes, he he's awesome. <laughs> yes. It has become for us the most obvious thing in the world that we bring God into these kinds of situations. That when we're vulnerable and there's things like this going on that can be really hard, like we just want to be close to God. And not just us, but our friends too. Like we want to help take care of each other. We're made up of body, mind, and spirit, and we want to take care of each other, body, mind, and spirit, and that means praying. Yeah, so this is a, a homesteading podcast, but it's also a Catholic podcast, and we don't want, it's Lent, and we don't want Lent to go by without talking about something that's very important to us, which is prayer, and we think that prayer is an incredibly important part of homesteading and family life and life. Yeah, it's the foundation of everything we do, yeah. to be honest. So. Yes, exactly. So when we talk about, you know, coming and praying together with people, one, one thing that Jesus says is one of the signs of, of his believers is that they will lay he- hands on the sick and they will be healed. So in our family, we want our children to be very comfortable with praying with each other and, and literally laying hands on each other and, and praying and asking God for grace. And we have seen a lot of testimonies of, of just healing and and things like that. But we've also seen it uh, more times where God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want him to. But prayer is always so worth it because you're bringing grace into the situation, whether you're asking for God's grace to give you strength in the difficult times or for healing, whatever he chooses to do. But we always come before him and we ask. And it was neat because about three days ago, I, I a couple times a year get these like tremendously awful headaches and I can feel them coming on in the morning. It's usually maybe I'm dehydrated or didn't get enough sleep or something, but I get these awful headaches where it feels like my whole head is in this like vice and I can't really get anything done without this just shadow of pain (laughs) over me. And I know that they're going to last the whole day. And I'm not a big, I didn't even think to take medicine. I just don't typically take medication. So I'm trying to go through my day with this awful headache. And finally I I lay down on the couch and I, I turned to my seven-year-old and I said, Justin, can you just pray over me? My head hurts so bad. Can you just pray for me? And he puts his hand on my head and it was so cute. He's like, 
you know, closes his eyes and he's so serious. He's like, Jesus, come and heal mommy's head. Lord, please let her headache go away. And he's just, he just has his hand on me. He's praying over me for a couple of minutes. And, you know, at this point I've seen times where God heals us and times where he doesn't. And so I'm just kind of letting my son participate in this and pray for me. And then I'm not kidding you. I stood up and my headache was completely gone, like not a trace of it. And I was like, Justin, you know, I really think God heard your prayer. My, my headache is gone and it didn't come back the entire day. And I just want our kids to have their faith increase and to, to have prayer be a normal part of, of their life. So anything we do for the first time is really awkward. And Kristen and I both have this deep love for prayer. We've been doing it for our whole lives in different ways. And we don't want prayer to be awkward for our family. So we're constantly just doing it in every different situation. Be like, all right, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. And we have this incredible conviction because we've seen it happen literally thousands of times in our life that when we pray, God gives us grace. That by, by bringing God into a situation, it changes the situation. That whatever we need for that moment, that being close to God and be able to see with his eyes and get closer to God and to read scripture in a million different ways, that prayer brings grace. So situations like that, it's, it's kind of like, that's the classic example of like, oh yeah, you prayed for a headache and it went away. Like it's some kind of like psychosomatic uh, you know, like we're, we're like, yeah, that's a miracle or something <laughs> like that. And I just don't care. Like, I really don't care. Did it just go away as a coincidence? Was it, was it psychosomatic and you wanted it to go right. away? So, you, so it went away or was it a miracle? None of that matters. That is totally irrelevant. What we know is for sure when we pray, God gives us grace. Yeah. And it can look like a lot of different things. In this case, Kristen's headache went away. So it's like, awesome, give glory to God and move on with our day. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not you know running around claiming like it's a miracle, but hey, God came and my headache went away in whatever way he chose to have it go away. Yeah. So here's an example that's going to sound trite, but just stick with me for a second is this happened years ago and it affected, it affected my thoughts on prayer. So I had come home from, this was before Kristen and I were married and I was doing construction and I came home from work and I was taking a shower and I was like dirt poor at this point. Yes. <laughs> I was running my own company, quote unquote company. And yes. I had no money. <laughs> and, uh, I was taking a shower and I was like, oh, I really want some pizza. So I was like, Lord, will you send me some pizza? Now I need to I need to help put this in context. Pete wasn't some like punk kid playing video games being like, God, I want pizza. Like yeah. Pete was just so generous. I feel like you just gave anything you had and you were so poor you couldn't even afford gas. You would run out of, when we were dating, I remember you would be like, yeah, I just run it, ran out of gas. He, <laughs> I wasn't I, the most practical of people. I couldn't, you couldn't afford gas. So you just, we were dirt poor. And so when, when he says he prayed for pizza, like he was probably legitimately hungry and didn't have any money for food. <laughs> anyway, it sounds trite, but that was actually the only time I had ever done that. And the only time since that I've ever prayed for pizza, but I got out of the shower and I went upstairs and I was living in a house with some guys and my friend John came back and said, the Lord told me to get you a pizza. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? If you know our friend John, he's a very just prayerful, awesome person. And yeah, he showed up and said, I really feel like God wanted you to have this pizza. Right, right. Okay, so again, I'm not talking about like, oh yeah, a miracle of pizza. Like, I, I don't care. The yeah. lesson that I learned in that point in my life was that no matter how small it is, I can be talking it over with God and right. I can just be expressing 
what I have to say to him. And, you know, maybe sometimes yes. it's, it's not about the miracle or the answering of the prayer. It's about being close to God in even the smallest things. Yes. St. Teresa of Avila is a doctor of the church, and she says prayer is a simple conversation with God. And just like you would talk to your friend or your parent and just say, I really want pizza. Like, we believe you can come to God with, with all of your needs and, and just have a simple conversation with him. And, and Jesus says that not a sparrow falls from the nest without God knowing about it. So he, he does care about the small things and the large things. And I think sometimes we think, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be asking God for this or that. He doesn't care about my little needs. Look at all the suffering in the world. And it's true. There is so much suffering in the world and we need to be aware of that. And our hearts should be breaking for that. But that doesn't take away from the fact that God cares about our everyday, day-to-day things. Right. So we are all of us having an internal conversation in our head constantly. I mean, that's part of what it means to have consciousness. So we're always having this internal conversation. And what Kristen and I have learned to do and think of as a very positive thing in our life is that conversation that's always happening with us. Everything from I want pizza all the way to um, we're losing a baby, you know, through the good, the bad, the temptations, the struggles, the anger. I mean, you pick it. That conversation that's always happening, Kristen and I are always having it with God present in it. Mm-hmm. It's We're not just, we never think of that conversation as something we just do by ourselves. It's always something that's being done with God. Yes. And prayer for us is very vulnerable and personal and 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 honest. I have a little story. I had some, I'm a, I'm Catholic and I am a Catholic convert. So I grew up in a very like charismatic Christian church. And so I'm used to prayer being a certain way in my culture of Christianity. And I, well, in general, for a lot of Protestant churches, prayer is much more vocal and it's much, much less like structured and right. you, you pray from your heart and yeah. like you say whatever you want and right. it, it, it's more charismatic in some ways. It's just very different than right. what a lot of Catholics might grow up with. Yeah. So, and that's what Kristen grew up so with. So that's what I'm used to. And then I went to a Catholic high school. I transferred there my junior and senior year and I went to probably one of the best Catholic high schools in the country, run by Dominican nuns. It was an awesome all-girls high school. But I had a bit of culture shock because I remember, you know, I had my idea of what prayer was, and then I'm sitting in a classroom, and the teacher says, they start every class with prayer, the day with prayer, and the teacher said, okay, who wants to lead us in prayer? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to pray. And one girl raises her hand, and she gets up, and she says, okay, what are what is everyone's intentions? And you know, the girls go around the room and they're like, my grandmother, my test, a special intention. I have a special intention. And I'm like, what is a special intention? What the heck? <laughs> and then too the, personal to say out loud. <laughs> special, two spe- I have two special intentions. <laughs> and so all the girls are like saying special intentions. And then the girl in the front who's leading prayer says this little prayer. She goes, Right. No, so hold on. So Kristen's like coming from a place where if somebody prays, they're they're praying like, Lord, I pray that you'd be close to us and yeah. that you would show us your mercy. Come and, Holy Spirit. Right. And the new prayer is... Set our hearts on fire. My aunt. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but this girl, she's, she's going to lead prayer. So she's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then she goes... Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commends thee here, ever this day be at my side to light, to guard, to rule, to God, to guide. Amen. And I'm like, I'm sorry. What was that? What 
in the heck just happened? What was that? Our that that wasn't our prayer, right? That was that a poem? I was like, <laughs> so it was such a, a culture shock to me. And and we're like very devout Catholics now, and we I understand the beauty of rote prayers. Rote prayers are just those those set prayers that you pray like the Hail Mary or St. Michael the Archangel. And I, I pray those rote prayers all throughout the day. I mean, they're beautiful. They're grace-filled. And it I love... It can be very rhythmical. Yeah. And, and it can help focus your mind. And I love if I get together with other Catholics, we kind of are all on the same page in prayer. So there is definite and beauty to, to rote prayer. And I have no problem with the guardian angel prayer. I have four boys, so I have a very strong devotion to the guardian angels. But I think it's important for us as Catholics to remember that we don't want to just solely rely on the rote prayer, but we want our prayer to be vulnerable and real and raw before God. So we are, we pray rote prayer every day. We're not against rote prayer, but it's important that we were real in prayer. So here's a quote from Pope Francis. He says, miracles happen, but prayer is needed. Prayer that is courageous, struggling, and persevering, not prayer that is a mere formality. So we want to get beyond the mere formality and the, and the very beginning of stage, uh, stage of prayer. I remember Kristen did youth ministry. Well, we, we did it together. And we have a room full of high school uh, kids, and we'd be going around in a circle, everybody saying their prayers. And it was the same thing again. It was like, my aunt, you know, that I passed my test. And some of them, you know, were a little, little deeper than that. And those prayers were great. Like that's, that's wonderful. If that, that's often the beginning of prayer is like, I don't really know the first thing about prayer, but my aunt is suffering. So I'm going to say my aunt. And that's like a really good start, but we want to go past that. I remember I was uh, outside in the yard and Justin came up to me, my seven-year-old came up to me and he said, dad, I just climbed a tree and I had a prayer time there. And I was praying and I just wanted to thank God for all the good things in my life. And I was like, oh, I love it. I mean, I just love it because he's already moving on to a little bit deeper form of prayer, which is not just asking for something um, in kind of like a bland way, but experiencing thankfulness and then expressing that back to God. And um, we can go a million different directions with prayer, but we start to have it become something that's more normal and integrated into our thought life. Mm-hmm. So a, a tweet from Pope Francis, that last Wait, quote was... He's, Pope Francis is so much cooler than me. He's got Twitter. I don't even yeah, know Twitter. Yeah, I think <laughs> Pontifex. I think he might actually be like the number one Twitter handle or whatever they call it. Handle? <laughs> yeah, isn't it a handle? I don't know. I don't know anything about Twitter. I never got into Twitter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know either. Okay, so <laughs> another tweet from him that I'm reading out of a book, not off the computer, is... <laughs> It is easy to ask God for things. We all do it. When will we also learn to give him thanks and to adore him? So, yeah, let's keep asking God for things, and let's also move past that to thanksgiving and adoration. Yeah, definitely. And I I think asking God for things is is very important, but I think our hearts change. They're filled with gratitude. Our minds change when we can actually stop and, and look around and thank him. Like there's so many times where I'm on the farm and I'm gardening and I'm looking around and I just have to stop and just say like, God, thank you so much for all that you have given us. And, and that changes the state of our heart. It changes the state of our mind just to stop and, and to thank him. Absolutely. So of course, like adoration and thanksgiving and praise and these things are really important. But one thing I want to focus on is is the importance of really asking God for things. I think sometimes we're afraid to ask because we're afraid God won't answer the way that we want Him to, or 
we were afraid some some people think am i allowed to ask for these things when there's just so much suffering in the world and i think it's important to really hear jesus's words he says ask and you shall receive seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you he does he does tell us to to come to him with all of our needs all these things. And I want to share a little yeah, story. Well, to, just to go along with that, I think it seems really awkward a lot of times to be like, I'm talking to God about pizza. But at the same time, our thought life never stops. We always have consciousness. And I watch myself and a ton of different people who are constantly like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm just going to go eat a candy bar. Oh, I shouldn't eat in that candy bar. You know, I just, you know, and that happens 10 times a day or something. And it's like, why wouldn't we bring God into that? It's one of our struggles. It's a smaller struggle, but what we eat and what we do on a smaller level affects us. Why not bring grace into it? Right. Right. So Jesus has been very clear that he wants us to come to him. He wants us to ask him. And I have a really neat story of a a Marian apparition site. So there are several places where the church has approved that we believe that Mary has appeared to give a message to people. And and the church doesn't take it lightly. They People can't just say, I saw Mary. And the church says, oh, wow. The church does a lot of research and tries to ask a lot of questions and take many years to approve <laughs> these Marian apparitions. Right. Well, I think there's probably been any number of times throughout history where people are trying to get attention or, you know, do their agenda, whatever it might be. So it's easy to claim miracle right. and then try and get a whole bunch of attention that way. And so when the when the church is going to look into a miracle to see if it really happened, it wants to know, did it happen? Because we're trying to stay away from the... Uh, let's get attention because we had a miracle kind of thing. Right, right. So I'm going to just tell a kind of funny side story because I I can't not. So I have have two of the best friends in the world, Aaron and Allie. We've been best friends since we were about 14. And we've walked through all of life's highs and lows together. And we have always been real friends in, in the Lord and in faith. And we have always, you know, been there for each other, praying for each other, praying with each other. And we've seen we've seen it all the good bad and the ugly in, in each other's lives and we um they're they're to this day the best one of the best gifts in my life and the three of us when we were probably about 12 years ago in our 20s we went on a tour of France to see all these different holy places and, and Marian apparition sites. And there was this one... Europe is so amazing like this. I mean, we don't really have much of a history here in the United States. And then you go over there and every time you turn around, you like get lost on a side street and you're seeing some thousands year old history. In miracle. Well, miracle yeah. place. Or yeah. And miracle then tons site. of Catholic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we went around France to kind of just to visit all of the saints that we love and the and the Marian apparitions. And there was this one Marian apparition that was really important to us in our friendship. It was Our Lady of Pontemain. And it was in this remote town in France. And so the three of us were young and there was no iPhones or anything back then. And we would try to get where we were going, but we weren't always 100% sure as to where we were going. And so my one friend, Aaron, who's very good at directions and whatnot, figured out how to get us to this place in Pontemain. So we take a train and we take a bus and we're on this bus. And then the bus driver kind of, we tell him where we're trying to go. And then he kind of communicates with us that he can't go that far to this town of Pontemain. He has to stop us. We have to get off here, basically. So we're, we have to get off. We don't know how far we are from this town of Pontemain we're trying to get to. And we're in this random town. It wasn't a touristy town. It was like, I don't know, the middle of nowhere, some town in France. And so we're kind of like off the bus. All pre-cell phone. Oh yeah. We're just stranded there. We're kind of like, okay, well, 
where do we go? And so we look over and see this building and it kind of looked like an inn to me. And so the details are kind of fuzzy because it was 12 years ago. And I called my two friends to be like, did this did we actually do this? So we, and so we, I have, um, journal, we, we look through journals and emails and apparently we get off the bus and we see this, this building that looked kind of like an inn. And apparently I said, girls, just go in, let's just go in and try to find someone to tell us what to do. You know? So we go into this building and we walk into this room that we open a door and walk into this room and there's a little boy sitting on the floor, maybe like seven years old. And we go to our friend, Allie, and we're like, Allie, you took French in, in high school. Ask, ask him for a phone book. Cause we wanted to, you know, maybe call a cab or something. And she's kind of like me when it comes to languages. And she, um, looks at the boy and makes the sign of a book. And she goes, ah, Livre de telefone. And the boy just looks at us and just bursts out laughing. And then we realized that we were in some kind of like apartment complex and we just walked into somebody's apartment and some three random and people we like, walk into oh my your gosh. house and ask you for a book of yeah, telephones. We were like, we need to get we need to get out of here. And so then we get out and Allie was like, I just asked that boy for a book of telephones. And I'm sure I don't know if they have telephone books in France. I don't know, but I'm sure the boy like went to his mom and was like, There are three girls in the house and they asked for a book of telephones and he's probably to this day is like I think three American girls came to my house one time but I don't know if it really happened so we we like ran out of there and realized we were in somebody's private apartment without even knocking and so we're kind of like okay now what do we do and so we're just you know walking around with our huge backpacks and then the bus driver who had dropped us off like sees us and you can tell he's like flustered for us like what are these oh my gosh what are these girls doing we don't even know what direction we were walking in we just were walking so the bus driver this is where the details get fuzzy the bus driver helped us to get a ride and I asked the girls, I was like, who, how did we actually get to Pontamine? And one girl said, I think that the bus driver got us a cab. And the other girl said, no, we got a ride. He got us a ride with like a stranger. We, we just rode with a stranger. I don't, I don't condone this. I, I don't know how we are alive. Some of the things that we did, but yeah. we got, we got driven up to Pontamine. We get there. <laughs> and so somehow miraculously we get there. And Pontamine is a very special place because in 1871, France was at war with Prussia and the Prussian army was getting ready to come into this come through this town of Pontemain and before that happened our lady appeared there and she said pray my children my son allows his heart to be moved and other translations say my son allows his heart to be touched and the people of the town prayed and for some reason due to their prayer the Prussian the Prussian army turned back and didn't invade the town and it's just that that holy place where Mary appeared is just a reminder, a reaffirmation of scripture that the Lord wants to hear our prayers and, and he allows his heart to be moved. He can work miracles for us when we, I think he wants us to participate in, in his plan, really. Right. And I think... You know, people can wonder about how does that work? What is the theology of that? Why do we have to pray for stuff if it's good? Why wouldn't God do it without us? And to me, the thing that makes the most sense about that makes sense now that I have kids. As they get older, they're learning how to be more independent and capable and doing things themselves, which is really, really good. And I'm not doing everything for them. 
we're in relationship together. And so I want them to be constantly talking things over with me. And I hope that happens our whole life because we love each other. But I don't want it to be something where I'm just doing everything for them like they're some kind of machine. I want them to learn how to do things themselves, but then also just to be in relationship with me. And when they're thirsty and they ask for something, I'm going to give them a drink. And I don't need to give them a drink every time before it happens, you know, we can be in, in interaction together doing that. So regardless of why it happens, it does happen that way. Yeah, I and, think, I, no, I just think relationship is really the key. Jesus is a person and he really does want real relationship with us. And it can be hard when we pray for things and God doesn't answer them the way that we want. Like my best friend just recently lost her baby at about 20 weeks. Those are tragedies. And it's really hard when you ask God for healing and, and we still have troubles in this life. And I think that, that pain and suffering and tragedy and death are a part of our life. But I have been able to see what God has done in their family. You know, they, they brought him in in prayer and I've seen the healing that he has done in that. And that's just such a great testimony that everyone in this world is going to have troubles and everyone in this world is going to have pain. But when we bring it to prayer, he does somehow, and it might take a lot of time and it'd be a long process, but God does bring bring good out of pain when right. we well, allow him to. I mean, that's one of the great philosophical question of the ages is why does suffering exist and, and why does bad stuff happen in the world? And I think that there's probably some really amazing answers to that. And it's been a dialogue that's happened through the ages. But we know that suffering does happen. Jesus says you will have troubles in this world. And whether you're rich or poor or old or young, one thing we all know is that suffering happens. Mm -hmm. And so I was having a conversation with my two older boys one night and I was saying, you know, it's suffering happens. It's going to happen every day. And I was trying to meet them on their level. And we were talking about, you know, if you don't get your way or don't get to eat what you want, or you, you know, bump your knee, that there's all these different sufferings and that we can give those sufferings to the Lord. We can talk them over with, with God and, and ask for his grace in them. And so my son wakes up the next day and he was talking to Kristen and he says, well, I don't know what's going to happen today, but one thing's sure, I'm going to suffer. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not sure the lesson translated so well. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, there will be suffering in this life. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to have hardship. We're going to have suffering. And I've had a lot of times in my life where I've prayed and I just haven't gotten the answer that I want, the healing that I want, but God still comes into that situation. Right. Well, even if we don't get what we want all the time, I, we know, we have this confidence that God is walking with us every step of the way. Yeah. That he's, he is a part of the equation and giving us grace and strength and whatever we need. Right. So I am... I want my kids to be able to express everything to me. I want them to be able to talk things over and let me be a part of their life and, you know, what they're thinking and everything. And I've noticed that the one thing that they're really hesitant to talk over with me is when they make mistakes. So if they've done something that they know is wrong, then that's when they get quiet and they want to hide. I mean, it's, it's Adam and Eve hiding in the garden you know they they sin and then they they just want to hide and it's like it's the same thing we we make mistakes and we do dumb things and then we hide and that 
is when I want them to be able to talk to me the most because that's when there's something wrong and I can help make it right. And there's a story that's attributed to St. Therese where she talks about there are these two girls and they did something wrong and their father comes home and the one girl goes and hides. And the second girl runs into her father's arms and she's totally unafraid of punishment from her father or that her father is going to, you know, that she can't be near him. She just, she's done something wrong and her reaction is to run to the father. And I mean, I would just love it if that was my kids' reactions. Like, I've done something wrong. I've made a mistake. I've hurt something or someone. And my reaction is to run, run to me so that, so that I can help make the situation better. And... I mean, I know that this is true. I think anybody who's honest with themselves about the mistakes that they make, like we all make mistakes, we all do dumb stuff, we all hurt other people and hurt ourselves. It's just a part of life. And God wants us to bring that to him even more than everything else, like because he can make it better. He can help heal the situation. He can help show us how we can do it better the next time around. And sin is not something that we need to feel condemned about. When we make mistakes, we don't have to feel like, you know, we're this terrible person because we made a mistake. It's the opposite. Everybody makes mistakes. But if we can run to God in those times, in the troubled times, in the times that we do things incorrectly, that's some of the most important time to go to him and have prayer. Yeah. And Lent is such a great opportunity in the church seasons to just be reminded of this, to, you know, this is a time when we, we turn back to God and, and the parishes offer so many opportunities for reconciliation and prayer. It's a time to turn back in our conversations, bring him back into our life, you know, come back in reconciliation and, yeah, it's a, it's a great time for that. Yeah, people have this, I think a lot of people have this image of God that when they make mistakes or they do things wrong, that God is this like angry, you know, father or something like that, where, where it's like, you know, well, you know, I guess I'll forgive you one more time or something like that. And What's I just... What's the heresy of Jansenism? Yeah, it's really... That's not Christianity, yeah. and it never has been Christianity. Christianity is that we have a loving God. I mean, the very definition of love, and He cares for us so much, and He wants to help us. Yeah. So whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's something that somebody did to hurt us, or whether we were the one making the mistake, is we gonna, we're going to go to God with all of it. Like, He doesn't want everything but our mistakes. He wants those too. Yeah, and, and Jesus, when Jesus came, He revealed God as a father. And I think sometimes if we don't have a great image of father, we might think, oh, he's going to punish me or, you know, he's, he doesn't love me or care about me. But, you know, God is a good father who wants good things for his children. And Pete, you've just been such an awesome, when I see you with the boys, you're just such an awesome, I mean, you're not perfect. You're not, you know, you're not God or anything, but it's just neat to see such a, you're just such a loving father to the boys. Well, thanks. But I know that I make a ton of mistakes with them. But that's also part of, of me showing them what it's like to be human. And yeah. I talked to this uh, a family friend. I've known him forever. And he had six kids. And Kristen and I had often talked, maybe we would want six kids. I don't know. It just it struck a chord in me that he had six kids. And he's uh, older. His kids are grown up. And I, I said, what would you have done differently as a father? And I'll never forget his answer. He said, I would have started asking my kids for forgiveness much sooner in life. And it hit me. And I was like... I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be a perfect father. I make tons of mistakes, but I'm going to even show my kids that mistakes are okay. 
we all make mistakes. And so if I get frustrated at them or I, I snap at them or I do something that wasn't perfectly loving as a father, I'm going to tell them, you know, we all make mistakes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I made a mistake. And yeah. will you forgive me? And Yeah. And mistakes are an opportunity for mercy, for God's mercy, which is, you know, one of the most beautiful things about our faith is our God is so merciful. Right. We're never stuck in our mistakes. There's always a, a way out through grace. Yeah. So I like to kind of, we, we cover a lot of ground in our podcast. I just kind of want to just kind of sum it up. We're talking about prayer is a simple conversation with God. We can bring anything to the Lord. And I think as Christians, it's important that we support each other in prayer. And I don't mean just saying, oh, I'll pray for you, but really just coming together. Like my, my friends, we get together and we literally lay hands on one another and just we pray for each other. We, we go into those hard places with each other and, and it brings unity in, in friendships and it brings unity with, with God. And, and, and we're, it's a, the best way that we can support each other is really being together and, and praying for each other. We also want our children to be confident in prayer, to not, not be an awkward thing that they feel embarrassed doing. Um, and it's also important that we know that God tells us, Jesus tells us to ask for things. He wants to be involved in those little details of our day, and he wants to be in relationship with us. Absolutely. And, and sometimes when we ask for things, they don't, it doesn't work out the way we want, but it allows God to be a part of it. Absolutely. Okay. So we did a couple very practical episodes before this about yeah. homesteading. This one is not so related to practical homesteading, but it's foundational to how we live our lives. Yeah. And so. it brings abundant joy to our life. Homesteading isn't the, um, it's not the thing that brings us abundant life. Jesus is. And homesteading is just what flows out it's of something, that. It's an activity that flows out of that. Yeah. And it's funny, we actually, so we wanted to do a a podcast on prayer last time and we sat down and just started talking about the dogs and then we just didn't stop. So (laughs) now we're just talking about prayer, but this is all an important part of our life. And also if there is anything that you would like to hear us talk about on a podcast, please feel free to email us at homesteadstory at gmail.com. We had one couple email us and they wanted to hear more about the hard stuff in homesteading. And we are really excited to do a a podcast on the hard stuff. (laughs) We could do a, yeah. Lest you think it's all positive. Yeah. So if you, there's something that you think would be a cool episode, then just feel free to email us. Right. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.